Producers and creators are the sources of all value on the planet. MC Lobster, the host of the top-rated business and investing podcast Cashflow Ninja, is on a mission with Producers Wealth to help producers create, protect, and multiply their wealth outside of Wall Street in any economy by creating systems and processes that help them increase their production, provides them with liquidity, passive income generators, and opportunities for enormous growth. Learn more about their time-tested and proven systems at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Here is your host inside the dojo, MC Laubscher. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobster here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today, and in today's show, we're going to look at how you can find freedom through real estate wholesaling and investing. My guest in today's episode is Brad Chandler. Brad has had successfully flipped over 2,100 houses since 2003. He's currently the CEO of Express Home Buyers, a real estate investing empire that does more than 200 deals per year without his assistance. Brad wrote How to Wholesale Real Estate for Profits Without Bank Loans to Help Others Achieve Their Real Estate Investing Dreams. He became passionate about real estate investing in ninth grade when he read a book about how to buy a home with no money down. Brad says his interest in real estate can be traced back to his childhood when his mom had less than $4 in her checking account and was supporting three children as a single mom. He knew he never wanted to be without a home. Now he helps others invest in themselves and their community through real estate wholesaling. Are you an investor looking for passive cash flow but don't have the time to explore your options? Discover Real Estate. It's the best option for passive income that savvy investors have been turning to for years to generate income and build wealth. But the reality is real estate investing takes expertise, market knowledge, and time. So what do you do if you don't have the time or market knowledge? Discover how many business investors have found a way to generate cash flow from real estate investing. Their secret? They partner with proven private real estate investment funds. Four Peaks Capital Partners have created a system that allows accredited investors the opportunity to invest in undervalued assets to generate passive income and capital gains. Invest with the cash flow experts and sit back while Four Peaks does all the work. Call Four Peaks Capital Partners at 877-5-INCOME. That's 877-5-INCOME or go to privateincomeinvesting.com. An offer to buy or sell securities is only made by a private placement memorandum. Prospective investors must read the PPM in its entirety before making an investment decision. Brad, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me, MC. Can you please share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners? Absolutely. We're going to go way back to when I was 10 years old and my folks got divorced. And my unfortunately, my father didn't support myself or my uh, two sisters or my mom, of course. And so there was a time period where things got really hairy financially. And my mom was a nurse and used to take me to public housing for uh, her visits, for her in-home visits. And so one day she said, you know what, I, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to keep our house. We may have to move there. And that really shaped me. Um, I didn't like that. It was it scared me to death as a 10-year-old because it was not a pretty place. So I... Um, I knew that I didn't, I didn't want to be in that position any point again in my life. So when I was in ninth grade, I read a book on how to buy real estate with no money down. 
And I decided that's what I was going to do and spent the last 50 or spent the next 15 years really just learning real estate, um, both reading on my own and then going to college and, and graduate school. And in 2002, late 2002, an investor bought my neighbor's house and I went and talked to him and he said, yeah, I buy houses at steep discounts for motivated sellers. I fix them up and I resell them. I go, geez, I didn't know you could do that. I thought you got rich in real estate by putting out a bunch of money and, you know, cash flow in the place. Uh, and then, you know, paying it off and maybe holding on to it or selling it. So, I decided uh, MC in late 2002 to do that. And, and it took me eight really hard long months to find my first deal because I didn't really have a good mentor or a mentor at all. But I bought uh, six houses in July and August of 2003. I quit my full-time job in 2000, uh, October of 2003. And here we are 15 years later, we've, we've flipped, we've wholesaled, we've bought and rented somewhere close to 2,500 houses. Wow, wow. And it's been, it's been quite a journey with many lessons and seeing that pain in your personal, uh, in your, within your personal life and, and, and your home really motivated you to start young as an, as an entrepreneur. Um, I believe you shared a story about uh, starting your own little sucker stand and getting shut down by the school. What was one of the, what was one of the lessons you learned there? So, yeah, I, um, I, again, I was always thinking for ways to make money. And I think it was because, again, we didn't have money. So, um, I, I would go to, at the time, People's Drugs, which has now been bought, bought by CVS, and I'd bag, buy a bag of Blow Pops. I'd, I'd rip open the coupon, and I'd go back into the store, and I'd buy another one. I think I was my cost, cost of goods sold were probably about $0.07, cents, and I was selling them for sometimes $0.50 cents a piece. Um, I can remember like it was yesterday coming home and counting all my change. And I had like $82 in change and MC, I thought I was rich at that point in time. Um, the lesson probably would have been, um, probably the school shut me down. So I probably would have been a little more, a little more, uh, you know, I don't know, not, not so much, probably shouldn't have done so much marketing. I should have probably kept it on the down low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now let's, let's talk a little bit about real estate and we're going to dive into wholesaling, a great way for people to get started in there and get their feet, uh, feet wet in the real estate arena and earn some extra income. Uh, can you explain a little bit to my listeners that are, that, is not familiar with wholesaling, where it fits into the real estate niche, and how it's different from a lot of other strategies. Yeah, it's really it's really quite amazing. So when I when I was going to all of these RIA meetings because I didn't have meetups back then, um, trying to find my first deal between you know December two thousand two and July two thousand three, there were people that were rehabbing, buy, fix, and sell, and there were people that were wholesaling. Well, I thought that the less sophisticated, uneducated person with bad credit wholesale than I thought the sophisticated person were the people doing the rehabs. But let me tell you, after 13 years of being in the business, that was completely flipped. I think the smart guys are out there uh, doing the wholesaling and, and, and the, uh, you know, the not so smart are doing the rehabbing. And why is that? Because rehabbing is really hard really hard. Whether you're doing one house or 10 houses, it is just really difficult because there's so many moving parts. So, what is wholesaling? Wholesaling is a way to generate anywhere between $5,000 and $100,000 on a property without ever buying it or fixing it up. You simply go, just like you're going to buy the place, like you're going to fix and flip it, you go to a distressed homeowner, you make them a below market offer. If they accept, 
you sign a contract. Now you have the legal rights to buy their property for a certain price, let's say $100,000. You then turn around and go to your buyer's list or an investor that you know that wants to do the renovations and either fix it and flip it or hold on to it as a rental. And you say, hey, John, I've got this property for sale. I would like $120,000. And he looks at it and let's just say that, you know, it needs $50,000 worth of work and it's worth $250,000 after it's done. He's like, wow, that's great. That's a great deal. I'll, uh, I'd love to do it. Well, John shows up to closing with that $120,000. The $100,000 goes to the seller just as I promised them. And the $20,000 goes into my pocket as an assignment fee or, you know, another way to call it is kind of a finder's fee. No capital needed MC. Uh, no risk of buying the place and then having foundation issues that you didn't know of. No liability of two years later, someone coming back and suing you because you didn't tell them about the, the wet basement. It's just, it's just a um, fantastic strategy, uh, really, for, for beginning and advanced investors. So, you're basically controlling the contract and then uh, putting the buyer and the seller together. That's it. And it's just, it, that's, a, that's a great, I mean, it's, it's actually very simple. You, you just get a property under contract and you find someone willing to pay higher and they're willing to pay higher because uh, they're not always so great at finding the deals. And, and what you have to be good at as a wholesaler is finding the deals, which, you know, is something we're probably better than 99, uh, well, probably better than 98% of the investors across the country. We're just phenomenal at marketing. Now, there's also a couple of terms that you mentioned there, a buyer's list and so forth. So, how does one start in this, uh, well, start a real estate wholesaling business? Do you build up a buyer's list first? What are some of the things uh, and actionable steps that you can share with the listeners of where to start? Because it looks like there's a lot of moving parts here. Yeah. So, there's not as many moving parts as you think. And we've, we set up a page, bradchandler.com, bradchandler.com forward slash ninja. And I actually have a book that explains that. So, I'm going to put a link to the book. But let me tell you, um, what you really have to do is you have to go find the motivated seller, which you can do through direct mail. You can do through calling people. You can do, I mean, there's a hundred different ways, but I'm going to list the big ones. Uh, so, calling people, mailing them, doing the bandit signs that say, we buy houses. You find a distressed seller. You go out and you figure out what the property will sell for fixed up, which we call the after repair value and what it costs to... Um, to, to get how much renovations will it cost to actually get it up to that price. And then from that, you make them an offer. And I'm not going to get into the formula now, but you make them an offer that's below market. And then you simply, in, in, to build a buyer's list, you can put your property on Craigslist. You can put it on Facebook. Um, one of my favorite methods is, by call, is just calling realtors who have sold to cash buyers in the past and saying, hey, um, I saw that you sold this property down the street to a cash buyer. Would you would you be interested in this awesome deal that I've got? You know, just around the corner, and you build a buyer's you build the buyer's list that way, and then you just you know, like I said earlier, you just assign the contract to them, and they uh, you you set up a, a settlement for anywhere from you know a couple of days to three or four weeks out, and then they show up and uh, close on the deal, and you get paid. It it, it really is that uh, it's not it's not easy, but it's a simple concept. And you can reverse engineer that by trying to find out what people, as just as you mentioned, what people are looking for and then trying to find those deals for the cash buyers out there. You can MC, but, but what I tell people, what I tell my students is that the easiest part of this whole equation is selling the deal. You and I know that if you've got a deal, you are not going to have problems selling it, especially in this hot real estate market. 
Right. Now, let's talk a little bit about growing and scaling uh, this business because it, it does involve a lot of effort and energy on your part. What are some of the ways that you can systematize this to grow it and scale it um, at higher levels? Yeah. So, f- from a marketing standpoint, w- w- one of the things that you have to have is you have to have a really good follow-up system. Um, we recommend, uh, I mean, there's just so many out there, but if you go to bradchandler.com, again, cash forward slash cash flow ninja, I'll put a, a link to our, the CRM that we recommend. And it's basically a follow-up system. So once you have your follow-up system in place and you have that all set up and we actually teach step-by-step how to set that up, you, you just pump more leads through it. So that just means, you know, turning up the marketing budget, which means doing more mailings, more, you know, more phone calls, whatever your marketing choice is, marketing medium, just do more of it. And then how do you scale that? At some point, you're, you're, you are not going to be able to handle all those leads, right? So you go hire somebody. You go hire an inside salesperson or a lead manager or an acquisition manager and have them start doing it. And then you get some more profit and you reinvest that profit into either more marketing or more people. And one of the things about scaling that's often overlooked and one of the things that I see most of my students and just most investors and business owners in general is people don't spend enough time and effort on people. People are what your truly only long-term competitive advantage are your people. So you just need to get really, really good at, at finding and retaining and training top talented people because why, that's why I can. So this year, Express Home Buyers, my, my wholesale company, will do over 250 deals. I'll never see a deal. I'll never analyze a deal. I'll never talk to a seller. I'll never talk to a buyer because I have put people over the last 15 years, I've put people and systems in place to be able to do all that. Let's start on the topic of marketing for a little bit that you that you touched on um, and you've mentioned different mediums. What are some of the mediums that you've seen uh, have been proven to be successful in this space? Are there still certain mediums that would surprise people in this uh, this digital world that we're living in right now? Yeah, the one that would surprise people still is bandit signs. I have, uh, I have a student that uh, told me this weekend that he got a deal under contract for $13,000 that he got off of a band. He's going to make $13,000 that he got off of a bandit sign. We don't do bandit signs because we have more money than we have time. So if you've got, uh, you know, more time and not money, you're going to do those bandit signs. The the time-tested ones that we've used over the years, uh, MC, have been TV advertising, which is is definitely expensive. Um, And I would not recommend that as one of your first avenues. And then the whole online, uh, both from a paid standpoint where you pay Google to serve up your ads and from an organic standpoint, that those are actually our two biggest lead sources. And then, of course, there's always direct mail, which is very, very, very cost effective. Um, I've got a deal where you can get out postcards, including the postage, the postcard and the actual buying of the list, meaning the motivated sellers for, for 40 cents. So it can be very, very economical. And then the whole calling, uh, calling sellers can be very, very uh, economical. So those are kind of the, the four or five really big ones that uh, in most people, including ourselves, are still thriving with. You're listening to Brad Chandler on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We'll be right back afterward for our sponsors. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint 
followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number of solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. My friend Dave Zook from The Real Asset Investor says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. The Real Asset Investor team creates value for investors looking for high yield returns from multifamily apartments, ATM machines, and self-storage investments. Their syndications offer attractive investment opportunities that produce strong cash flow, equity growth, huge tax incentives. They are truly passive and managed by a world-class team. To learn more about the exciting investment opportunities the Real Asset Investor offers, such as their multifamily, ATM, and self-storage syndications, please visit cashflowninja.com forward slash real asset investor. You're listening to Brad Chandler on the Cashflow Ninja podcast and are back to our interview. What are some of the things that, or the one thing really that you've seen in this business that causes most businesses to fail? It's the renovation part, which causes cash flow issues. And then the cash flow issues are what causes people to fail. Right. Cash flow is the lifeline of any business. It is. And it's not something that's talked about enough, you know, in school and in business school, they, they teach you about profitability, but you can have a profitable company that, that goes out of business because they can't keep up with, you know, their, their cash needs. That's, uh, that's such a true thing that you just uh, said there, because there's some companies with massive sales and a lot of profits, but they don't have any money. They're running, they're running out of money and then running out of business because of their lack, lack of focus on cash flow. So let's stick on the topic of cash flow. So this, obviously, this business is a good driver of income that then is used also to uh, purchase, buy and hold properties. When did you make that transition uh, in your career of just doing the wholesaling? Uh, and then also, well, then also going into the uh, buy and hold strategies. So we actually um, renovated houses all the way up until December of 2016. That's when we switched from renovations to uh, buying and fixing and selling to pure wholesaling. Um, we actually started buying properties when the market crashed in 2010 to 2012. We bought 80 single family or single family townhouses condos. Uh, there were mostly single family houses. And we bought them um, at steep discounts to what they were valued at a couple years ago. And then uh, we held on to them all the way up until about last year. And we just felt that we were, you know, I don't know that we were felt we were at the peak of the market, but we, we had some really nice appreciation rates. And we had a bunch of money sitting in there. And at the time we were fixing and flipping and we were borrowing a ton of money. And the money we were paying for was, you know, north of 10%, but yet we were really only earning three to 5% yield on our rental portfolio. So we decided to sell it. So um, next time the market goes down again, instead of buying 80, hopefully we can buy, you know, 800 or 8,000. That's interesting. So you're positioning yourself right now within a market cycle to capitalize on opportunities because you feel it's a little overheated? What, what's your overall view? I know you can't really generalize the entire real estate market, but if you had to look at specific markets that you operate in, what, what's, the, what's the feeling that you're getting uh, of where you are in the market cycle? So I, you know, I'm not one of those people who think that we're going to go through another crash, at least not in the next five years. Um, 
I think if anything that's going to happen, it's just going to plateau. And then we're going to probably stay stagnant for a, a number of years. So I'm not, I'm not really positioning ourselves thinking there's a big crash that's coming. I'm selectively looking in different markets. In Baltimore, for instance, you can still get some really good returns. So my wife and I are actively buying uh, rentals in Baltimore. Um, but that's, that's my outlook. But you know, you know what that's worth. I mean, no one can really tell you what's going to happen. I do know there's a lot, of, you know, a lot more risky loans coming uh, about out there. And I just don't know, you know how severe they are or what impact they're going to have down the road. Very interesting. And the, can you talk a little bit too about this particular niche that you decided to stick in? Because there's different sides to real estate. You picked the single family housing. Uh, share a little bit more information on why this is a desirable uh, avenue for you, uh, for not only your business, but also for cash flow investments. Mostly MC, it's just because it's something I know and have known for years and years and years. And I've gotten burned in the past by going outside of what I know really well. So we just see that there's so much opportunity across the United States, both wholesaling and buy and holds, that it's just something that we're really comfortable with. And when you look at the economics of you know the housing supply and how much demand there is, um, it's just going to be something that you know is going to be good for for forever, if not for a really long time. Now, in the last market downturn and the, the housing crisis in around 2008, 2009, you capitalized on some opportunities and, and purchased properties. How did it, in general, affect your business, the wholesaling business? What were some of the things that you saw and some of the things that, that you learned from uh, taking it with you? And then, obviously, if we, to, to position yourself if, if something like that should happen again. Yeah, that's an awesome question. So, we were not wholesaling at the time. So, it didn't affect our business too. It didn't affect our business. Uh, buying the rentals didn't affect it too much. We were able to stop marketing um, for a time period because from about 2008 to 2012, there was a lot of REO properties, bank-owned properties. Now, I think we literally only stopped marketing for probably a year and, it, and we didn't completely shut it down. Um, but there were a lot of buying opportunities where we didn't have to spend money. The only money we were spending is to employ the people to be able to search the multiple listing service for the deals. But one of the biggest lessons I think I learned, MC, is really we just should have bought more. Uh, we should have been more aggressive. Uh, I can tell you t- two really interesting stories. One, we bought a house. We, we bought and fixed and sold a house in 2008, uh, right around where the market crashed. We, we, it was a house in Maryland, Capitol Heights, Maryland. We, re- we renovated all our houses to the, be the nicest in the neighborhood. So granite countertops, stainless steel appliances, hardwood floors. We sold that property in 2008 to an end buyer for $278,000. Now, if you tried to hold that property for $1,500 rent, it doesn't really cash flow, right? right. We, we bought that same exact house back two years later from the bank because it had been foreclosed on. And the, in the, the, the sellers actually put in a $5,000 privacy fence and it was in pristine condition. We bought it back for $100,000. Wow. Another, another fascinating story, well, it's not fascinating, it's kind of sad, is there was a time in Woodbridge, Virginia, where, which is about 20 miles south of D.C., 25 miles south of D.C., where we bought a townhouse for $45,000. And there, were, uh, there was an opportunity to buy two or three more. And my partner and I discussed it. And we said, you know what? These townhouses might be $40,000. Well, it wasn't that we were being so, so greedy. We just, I mean, it was crazy times. And if you remember, 
I mean, I didn't know if that house was going to be 15000 or whatever. But we, what we, the way that we should have looked at it, MC, is we should have looked at it as what would this house cost to rebuild, replacement cost. And I think at the time we were buying it like 30% of replacement cost. Anytime you can get your hands on an asset that's 30 to 40% below replace or 30 to 40% of replacement cost, buy it. Because here's what happened. Six weeks later, so this must have been in 2010 when the markets really started to turn back. Six, six to eight weeks later, MC, you could not touch one of those same units for under $110,000. Wow. And so we're like, gosh, we should have bought some more of those things. Right, right. No, and that's a great pro tip looking at the replacement costs. Uh, what are some other things on the on a checklist if you if you were to put some that you look at uh, as far as investing wealth creation and also your philosophical approach to building wealth? So I you know I love the one one percent rule. Um, I, we, we when we were buying, we we're actually getting better than one percent, meaning that if the house is gonna if the house is worth a hundred thousand or it was sell for a hundred thousand, if you can get one percent of that in monthly rent, so so a thousand dollars a month you're doing pretty well. Uh, there are places where in Baltimore where you can get, you know, 1.5 to two. So that same $100,000 house, instead of renting for a thousand and being decent returns, would rent for 1,500 to 2,000. So that's one, that's one thing that you definitely should look at when you buy rentals. Here's, here's something about rentals that, uh, you know, you don't hear from many people. The guru, a lot of gurus out there want to tell you how high these returns are. And when you really look at, if you have, you know, if you have one rental, maybe one thing, but if you have 80 spread out, it really becomes hard to manage these properties. And the lower price the house is, the sexier it looks because, you know, I'm going to buy a house for $30,000 and it rents for 800. But number one, when that roof goes, guess what? It costs the same as a $150,000 house. So you may, you may lose a couple of, you know, months rent. So buying those really low price houses and having the equivalent same return doesn't always work out. And secondly, at the end of the day, once you cycle through several tenants and you've owned the property for five to 10 years, typically the returns aren't what some folks say. They're, they're, they're generally, generally lower than, than what people tout. Is it, is it a bad wealth creating strategy? No. But when you looked at our scenario, let's say we had a million dollars, it was more, but let's just say we had a million dollars invested that was tied up in those rental properties. And let's say that we were earning to be, you know, uh, kind of aggressive. We weren't, but let's just say we're earning a 5% return on that a million bucks. Well, we were paying 10 to 12% for that money. So when you looked at it, it really didn't make sense. No, absolutely. It's very, very important to know all sides of this. Now, Brad, one habit I've observed from wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skill sets. What are you currently studying and what new skill sets are you currently learning? So when my business went on autopilot a year or two ago, I just really sat back and said, hey, what, what do I want to do with my life? And it was, um, it was very clear that from a very young age, I love teaching and helping people. So I started a coaching company last year. So I have just poured my heart and soul into, um, you know, finding new students, making them successful, how to market for students. You know, as soon as I hang up with you, I'm working on a webinar to, you know, teach people how to scale their real estate business. So that's what I have have really been focused on is just becoming a better public speaker, a better marketer, um, and just a better coach, how how to to teach people and, and, you know, how to find success themselves. 
Now, our core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations, and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? What, a, what an awesome question, MC. So first of all, I would say perseverance. When I look back at my you know, history of you know, building this company, there were so many opportunities that I could have quit, but each day that went by, I saw other people doing what I wanted to do. And I said, if they can do it, I can do it. Am I the smartest guy in the world? Hell no. But I just kept after it, kept after it. Jack Canfield went to 121 publishers before he found a publisher to publish Chicken Soup for the Soul. He's, I don't know what he's worth. Like that doesn't really matter. But if you look at how many lives he's changed around the world, if he'd have quit at the 11th or the 119th, imagine where he would have been. So perseverance is number one. Number two, I've already touched on and people don't spend enough time and focus on this and it's people. If you're going to grow a business and you, and you want it to work for, your, for you and not you work for it, you need to have people on your team. So you need to get really, really, really good. And we're really, really good at this, at finding and retaining top talent. That's one of the things I spend quite a, quite a time on my, you know, with my coaching students. And the third is the one thing. And this is something that I got from Gary Keller. Every day you want to ask yourself, what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? And you figure out that one thing. And then you time block every single day. You time block and you don't get distracted by the minutiae and everything that's pecking at you on a daily basis until you get that one thing done. And that one thing should move you closer to your five-year goal, your one-year goal, your monthly goal, your weekly goal. If you do that, you will see success, you know, tenfold, a hundredfold than if you didn't practice that. So true and very, very well said. Brad, how can my listeners learn more about you? Where can they follow you? Uh, and where can they stay informed of all of the projects that you're involved with? So if they go to bradchandler.com, um, we set up that page, bradchandler.com forward slash cashflow ninja. I'm going to put on there an incredible free report that is a, it's a very in-depth training on how I made $33,750 wholesaling a house a couple months ago in Chantilly, Virginia, doing this exact same wholesaling method where we never had to buy it, we never had to renovate it, and we only needed a couple hundred dollars as the um, EMD, which is the earnest money deposit. So if you go to bradchandler.com forward slash cashflow ninja, I'll put that free report. I'll put a link to the book. I'll put a link to the CRM and you know, you can find everything at bradchandler.com. I've got a Facebook page, which is bradchandler.com forward slash Facebook. I've got an incredible YouTube channel, which is bradchandler.com forward slash YouTube. But again, I'll put that all on the page that we've just mentioned. Fantastic. Well, Brad, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. That was awesome. Thanks so much for having me, MC. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the United States. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Learn how to find the best deals by downloading your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Thank you for joining me again on the Cashflow Ninja. Thank you for all your support. You rock. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, 
Please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com or text cashflowninja to 44222. I'm also posting daily videos on Facebook and YouTube and will live stream weekly starting May 2018. To make sure you don't miss any of the live streams, please like and subscribe to my Facebook and YouTube platforms. I'm also dropping content on Instagram daily. Be sure to follow us on Instagram to get in on the action. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. That's our show for today. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.